Hello. Hello and welcome. To this very special edition of Factorally. Factorally. So why is it special, Simon? It's special, Bruce, because obviously it's not whilst we're recording this, but by the time people will be listening to this, it will be 2024. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New, Happy New Year. Oh, I know that one. That's um, Trading Places, isn't it? Yes. Merry New Year. <laughs> <laughs> I am from Sweden. But you're wearing lederhosen, my dear. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, you haven't been celebrating Christmas properly. Indeed. <laughs> Um, so for the uninitiated, this is Factorally. I'm Simon Wells. I'm Bruce Fielding. We're a couple of voiceover artists who love random facts. Oh, and, yes, we uh, do. We get together now and then and we spew our, <laughs> our cluttered brains full of knowledge uh, about a, a particular topic, whatever that topic may be. This week it happens to be New Year's traditions and the like. Yes. I'll tell you where it's a good place to start is where? back about 35 years ago. Um, I was living the furthest south in London I've ever lived, which is basically just the other side of Battersea Park, which is on the on the Thames. So yes. literally, there was my my flat, a park, and then the river. So that's the right. that's the most furthest south I've ever lived. I learned to ride a bicycle in Battersea Park. Did you? Yeah. Well, there you go. And everybody was getting ready to go out for their New Year's Eve parties. Suddenly, there was this massive fall of snow. Oh, I wow. mean, properly massive. It brought everything to a complete standstill. Huh. And everybody was stuck in their flats in the block. Yeah. Going, I can't get to the party. I was, I've bought drink. I've got cakes. Oh. I've got all sorts of things. What do I do? And, and I don't think it was me. I'd like to think it was me, but I don't <laughs> think it was. I said, I tell you what, why don't all of us who can't now go out have one New Year's Eve party in one of the flats, which yes. happens to be ours? And we'll all bring everything that we'd bought to take to other New Year's Eve parties. So we did. And we started to have a few drinks and some cake and whatever else there was to eat, um, which some of which we'll find out later. Good. And these people were not all from England. Mm -hmm. So they were saying, well, we have a tradition in our country that we do oh, this at New Year's Eve. Right. So we did all of them. <laughs> oh, really? That's fantastic. So we had people from Spain, people from America, South America, uh, India, all sorts of places in the world. Yeah. And they all did what they would normally do on their New Year's Eve. So that I kind of learned a lot. Wonderful. It was fantastic. Huh. And a lot of what they did on that day is what we're going to be talking about today. Oh, well, that's a fantastic place to start. I was thinking, why on earth are we starting only 35 years ago? Surely it goes back <laughs> further than that. But um, how, how, how much further back does it start? One of the earliest records uh, of, of actually having it written down that there was a, a specific celebration to usher in the new year was around 2000 BC in Babylonia. Oh, right. Um, so quite a long time ago. By the rivers of Babylonia. Indeed. <laughs> um, and their, their year began... So different traditions, different cultures, different parts of the world have different starting days for their, their new year, obviously. Uh, in Babylonia, their new year began with the first new moon that was the nearest to the autumn equinox. Okay. So roughly around mid-September. The ancient Egyptians and Persians, their new year started on the autumn equinox itself, not the first new moon after that. The ancient Greeks, their new year started on the winter solstice in December. I think that autumn, that autumn new year is also Jewish new year, isn't it? Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It's, okay. That, it's that time of year. Yeah. A, a lot of cultures have their new year following the sun. So, you know, 
we here in the West, we count 365 and a quarter-ish quarter <laughs> days of the Earth going around the sun, and that's that's where your, your year starts. Other cultures um, go by the moon, so the X number of revolutions of the moon around the world rather than the world around the sun, which is why places like China celebrate the, the lunar new year rather than the solar new year. Yes. So everyone does it on a, on a different day at a different time and in, in, in very, very different ways. But uh, it, in one form or another, it goes back at least 4,000 years. Okay, so how about the January the 1st New Year, which is the one that we all sort of mostly celebrate? Yeah, sure. So this gets messy, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. Um, so back in the original Roman Republic calendar, New Year's Day was always March the 1st. Why? I don't actually know <laughs> if any of our listeners know the answer. Oh, yes. You're obviously subscribing and liking and stuff, but of you can also you comment. Comment away. Yes. If one of you knows absolutely with total certainty, this is why it was March the 1st, and I've missed this out, please let me know <laughs> for my own sanity. Um, so it was March the 1st, and then later in medieval times in Europe, it was celebrated on March 25th, which was the Festival of Annunciation in the church calendar. Later on, it was moved to Christmas Day itself. William the Conqueror came along and moved it to the 1st of January, and then it reverted back to March 25th. Then we adopted the Julian calendar, which was set up in, in the 1500s, and that moved it to January 1st, and it, it flip-flopped back and forth an awful lot. But officially, in this country, it has been January 1st since 1752, which was the day upon which the UK moved to the Julian calendar, which the rest of the Catholic world had had for the, like, for the, the previous 200 years. We were a little bit slow on the uptake. So we have Julius Caesar to thank we do. for Yes. Uh, and, and, and naming January after Janus as well, with the two that's faces, right. the, you know, like the one face looking out to the old year and one face looking forward to the new year, all that stuff. Yeah, that's right. So it make, makes complete sense. Yeah. And that's kind of where uh, the idea of resolutions and, and traditions and things like that uh, come from. A lot of New Year's resolutions come from various religious cultures of sort of wanting to appease the gods in a sense yeah. you know, thanking the gods for a good year that's just gone and asking them to bring in an equally good year in the year coming oh it's also a protest as well because um especially i mean one of them i guess we're going to have to talk about is is how the scots do it um but i expect so <laughs> but the scots do it mostly because um christmas was banned oh under the tyranny of the Protestantism of basically you mustn't be enjoying yourself at any given time. Do I mean Protestantism, if it's Scottish? Puritanism. Puritan well, yes, that sort of thing. Basically, don't enjoy yourself. Yes. <laughs> but that's why the Scots went, well, sod you then. We're going to have a really good party <laughs> and we're going to have it pretty close to Christmas on New Year's Day. Oh, I see. Oh, I hadn't realised that connection. Yeah. Brilliant. We can't celebrate Christmas, but we're jolly well going to do New Year's. Yeah, and the church can do nothing about it because it's not a religious festival. Yes. So that's where Hogmanay comes in, isn't it? Hogmanay is the day before New Year's Day, I think. Yes. It's, it's, it, and nobody knows why it's called Hogmanay. It could be anything. It could be Gaelic. It could be all sorts. That's as far as yeah. I know, unless you, unless you know differently, Simon. 
I don't, unfortunately, <laughs> no. Um, no. Again, dear listeners, there's got to be a, a, a Scottish listener who knows the answer to that. So what sort of things happen on Hogmanay? As a, as a tall, dark-haired man, you should know this. <laughs> yeah, I do, yes, brilliant. <laughs> I was really impressed when I read this. Um, so, again, that idea of, of how you start the new year is how you mean to go on. In Scots tradition, they have something called first footing. Mm. And the idea of this is that the, the first person who sets foot over the threshold of your house after the stroke of midnight on New Year's Day, the sort of person that that is will set the fortune of your household for the coming year. So if you get a, a mean, stingy, grumpy, cantankerous person as the first person through your door on New Year's, you're going to be in for a bit of a, a harsh year. But ideally, <laughs> so they say, the best person to be the first footer on New Year's Day should be a tall, dark-haired gentleman, i.e. yours truly. <laughs> um, and traditionally, if that person brings pieces of coal, shortbread, some salt, a black bun, and a bottle of whiskey with them, then, goodness me, you're going to have a fantastic New Year. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm open for hire, anyone. <laughs> Uh, if you if you feel the need to reenact this, I'm yeah, here. I, I don't know. If, does grey count? Because I'm I, I used to be a dark haired chap, and I'm sort of greyish of it now. I'm sure there's a there's a perfectly acceptable <laughs> caveat for that. Ex dark haired gentleman. Yes. yes. <laughs> they celebrate Hogmanay in all sorts of unusual ways. I mean, apart from this first footing of the dark haired bloke yeah. walking through your door. Um, they they in Stonehaven. They have this parade through the town of people wielding fireballs on the ends of chains. Oh. There's about there's about forty people. And they basically got these like cage these metal cages that they fill full of like newspaper and, oh, and see, flammable yes. stuff. And they whirl them around yeah. uh, on their way on the on the parade through the town to the river. Right. And then when they get to the river, they throw the uh, the fireballs into the river, and, oh, and that's basically a way of scaring away all the evil spirits. Yeah, um, which are, which is something we'll probably come along to in a bit as well. There's lots of different ways of scaring away the evil spirits, so you start yeah. your year with a really positive attitude. Yes, but but whirl, like forty Scottish blokes whirling <laughs> bits of fire around in the middle of town. I, I mean, that would scare me off. Let alone any <laughs> evil spirits. Crikey! <laughs> On New Year's Day, they have a thing called the um, the boar game. In mm -hmm. uh, in Kirk in Kirkwall, and uh, they have the uppies and the doonies, depending on whereabouts in the place you live. Oh, I see. Okay. And they basically yeah. divide the divide the town up into half each, yeah. and they basically play a ball game where you kind of like pass the ball until and, and like it's basically an entire town having a fight. Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> what could be more more New Yearsy than that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before we move further afield, mm. there's a song that goes I was with this. Just going to suggest that we brought that up before leaving Scotland. Yes, yes. There is there is a certain ditty, isn't there, which you know some people may have heard of. That isn't by Robbie Burns. No, it's not by Robbie Burns. <laughs> <laughs> so the song in question is "Old Lang Syne." Yeah, unless you're thinking of another one. Nope, nope. That nope, was the one. That's good. It's that one. Um, yeah. So "Old Lang Syne." sung at every single New Year's party in the Western world since a few hundred years ago. Um, often accredited to Robert Burns, 
1788. That was, I believe that was the first time it was sort of written down in official manuscript. Yes. Um, but it was based largely, largely based on a, on a previous folk song by a fellow called James Watson uh, of 1711. So quite a while back. The first verse and the chorus bear a striking similarity to Old Lang Syne. Um, <laughs> but then Mr. Burns came along and, and added a few extra chunks to it and ten. refined it and yeah. 10 verses do you it's, know all 10 verses i don't even know the first one bruce <laughs> <laughs> do you know all 10 verses i know probably a couple of them yeah but that's but, brilliant but it didn't have any music to go with it obviously to start with yeah sure so the, it wasn't set to music until 1799 so 11 years after its uh first first publishing by by burns um so yes originally it was just a, a spoken written poem um and Old Lang Syne, the title precisely translates as Old Long Since, which roughly translates as Days Gone By, or yes. The Olden Times, or something like that. Yes. Um, so it's sort of a, an opportunity to, to look back over what's gone by, what we've missed, what we've achieved, and hopes for the future. And then it became really popular, um, especially in America, hmm. in about 1920. Okay. There was a band leader called Guy Lombardo. Right. Who was one of the people on radio doing the, the New Year's celebration. Mm. And after the uh, the countdown and, and the bells and everything, he played mm. it um, in his 1920 New Year's Eve broadcast. Right, okay. And it became very popular after that. And, they, and then the radio station did it every single year after that. And oh, it just great. became part of that American thing. But I think yeah. it had been part of Hogmanay for quite some time before that anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and now you just associate it with um, large groups of people sort of crossing their arms over and holding hands with the person next to them and shaking hands in time to the song. Um, which, you know, after a, a New Year's Eve full of alcohol and whatever other mischief has gone on, can sometimes become a little bit clumsy. Raucous. <laughs> raucous, that's the Good word. Good word, raucous. Yes. Okay, so vegetables. Um, okay. <laughs> Vegetables are quite important, aren't they, in New Year's? Yeah. Isn't there one to do with cabbage somewhere? Yes, that's right. So various parts of Europe, which kind of makes sense. You know, cabbage is a big thing in, in Germany. Uh, coleslaw comes from Poland, I think. Cool salad, uh, cabbage salad. Yeah. So there's, there's an abundance of this stuff. Um, but yes, in, in Eastern Europe, if you, if you eat a cabbage-based dish anywhere around New Year's, yeah. then it's it's meant to be good luck again we'll say it time and time again start the new year as you mean to go on <laughs> yeah another food stuff that's uh, regularly eaten at new year's i had never heard of this until i came to research this this episode in america it's apparently tradition to eat black-eyed peas as a new year's dish and apparently this goes back to the civil war uh, that as the armies from the north were sort of sweeping through the south and taking everything that they could you know they, they took all the food in order to to feed the troops as they were going what they left behind was a load of black-eyed peas which were at the time considered only good enough for feeding animals so the soldiers didn't eat them so after the after the troops had had gone through um all that was left were these black-eyed peas and therefore that's that's kind of what the the, the southerners on the receiving end of this uh, would eat and they considered themselves lucky that the black-eyed peas were left behind and so that that sort of became a, a lucky foodstuff interesting because in chile they eat uh, lentils 
Oh, do they? So a similar kind of idea. Although in Chile, I think you're supposed to eat 365 lentils. Gosh, imagine picking those out. They're quite fiddly little things, aren't they? There's lots of other foods that you can eat at, at, at New Year's. The, the, the one that I enjoyed most was the, uh, the Spanish. Mm. And the, the idea in Spain is that you celebrate each month of the New Year coming up by eating a grape on each of the chimes of the bell that chimes 12. So you, so you eat 12 oh, grapes. Okay. In the Philippines, they, they take that a step further and they go for 12 round fruits of yes. any type. Um, Are there 12 round fruits? Oh, let's see if we can get some. Right. Okay. In turn. In turn. You just, well, you started with grapes. Grapes. So that's okay. already there. Cherries. Yeah. Apples. Oranges. Mandarins. Peaches. Uh, 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 plums. Grapefruit. Uh, I'm trying to think. Po- pomegranate. Melon. Uh, two left. Come on. Oh, there must be. There must be two left. Um... um, um <laughs> My brain's gone blank. Circular <laughs> fruit. Come on. Apricots. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, figs. That'll do. Yeah. There you go. So there's at least 12 round fruits. Um, in the Philippines, apparently, circular things uh, symbolize prosperity, wholeness, okay. completeness. So if you eat 12 round fruits, again, one for each month of the year, that's 12 months of, of ensuing prosperity and health. That makes sense. But the idea of round things um, in Singapore, mm-hmm. they came up with this like this this like promotion, if you like, where they had a load of like writable balls, these these large white balls, mm-hmm. um, and you would write a, a message, a, a wish that you had for the new year of good okay. luck. Okay. And on New Year's Eve, that people would release these white balls yeah. into the river that flows through Singapore, and and they would sort of like be carried out to sea, and then sort of on their way to. To, to wherever wishes are granted. Oh, lovely. And it started off as like a quite a nice small thing. Mm. Not so much these days. Okay. <laughs> and they started off with like a few hundred. Mm. Last year there were 10,000. And then when I say they're, 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 they're reasonable sized balls, they're probably about the size of a, oh, what, what are the balls called that you jump up and down on? Oh, space hoppers. They're all about the size of a space hopper. Goodness me. Okay, I was picturing, picturing something about the size of a tennis ball. Yeah, no, they're about the size of the 10,000 space hoppers. Imagine 10,000 wow. white space hoppers with wishes written on them going going down a river. Oh, man, what a sight that must be. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, why don't I put a video link in the show notes in the blog? Very good. So then you can Very see good. what we're talking about. Very nice indeed. Yes, that's the one limitation of an audio podcast. You can't see what we're talking about. But go to factorally.com. Where was and- that? But that was factorally.com. Okay, yeah, got it. Factorally.com. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. yeah. That's where people can get a visual glimpse into our minds. Now, you, you just mentioned um, wishing spheres floating down the river and out into the sea. Uh, there, there are quite a few places where the sea is involved in New Year's celebrations. Obviously, it helps if you're near the sea because that's going to be a, a large feature of your, your culture anyway. Um, but I found a lovely tradition in Brazil, where on on New Year's Day, um, people dress in white clothes to sort of symbolise purity and 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 virtue, and um, they gather down by the the ocean, and um, they give offerings to the ocean goddess Yamanja. They put offerings into a, a small boat, 
and they push the boat out into the ocean. And um, couples hold hands and they stand in the water and they jump over the waves. And as each wave comes into the shore, they jump over the wave and they say thank you for something good that happened in the previous year. And then once they've finished their, their Thanksgiving, they turn around, they put their, their back to the ocean and they walk back onto the land as a symbol of embarking upon the new year. How Which lovely. sounds lovely. That's, I'd like to do that. So you've heard of the ball drop. Um, <laughs> yes, I've heard of the ball drop in Times Square. So when the New York Times decided to move uh, from its very posh location to a not quite as salubrious a place, mm. uh, which was Times Square, it was, it was all a bit rough. All the other newspapers thought, oh, they're moving out to the boondocks. It's, it's miles away. They're never right. going to get the newspapers to the people in time. Right, okay. You know, because, you know, it needs to be there for the morning. It needs to be there when yeah. people are going to work. What they didn't figure was that the, that the, the building that they built and moved into was actually on the new underground system. Oh, is that right? And it literally had like access straight from the printing works underneath mm. the, the, the New York Times building into the tunnels. And they could get their newspapers into the middle of New York faster than any other newspaper. Oh, that is smart, Which isn't is it? Which is very clever. I did Very know clever. That. And to celebrate this, they thought, we'll have a fireworks display. So they had a fireworks display back in 1905 when they first moved there. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't very good because basically all this like soot and ash and, and burning pieces of paper were all raining oh. down on the people that came to celebrate. That's really not what you want your, your lasting image to be as a newspaper company, is it? Burning paper. So, <laughs> exactly. So they thought, well, how else can we do this? I know. Do you know that thing they do at Greenwich? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why don't we just copy that? So Greenwich has a red ball that falls at midday, um, and we'll do it at midnight. And so they, they, they built a ball, which was you know, made of you know, iron, and it's about a metre and a half in circumference, uh, in, in diameter. Mm. And it was lit by um, 125-watt bulbs. Okay. And so, so you could see it, right. and it was really, really pretty, and it was nice. And lots and lots of people came, and then more and more people came, and, and to the point at which nowadays they have to limit that it's a ticketed event. Hmm. And I think one year they had something like 300,000 people in Times Square. Really? And they've That's had to great. limit it now to, I think, 188,000. It's not the biggest square in the world, is it? <laughs> no, wow. it isn't. Even 188,000 people is quite a lot. The, the, new, the newest ball, the seventh ball they have now, it's more than double the size. It's 3.7 metres. It's 12 feet uh, oh, wow. wide. It's lit by 32,000 LEDs, and um, it weighs about six tons. Good grief. Yeah. Oh, there's also 2,600 Waterford crystal triangles in it as well. Oh, of course there are. Yeah. That's, that's standard. Yeah. I'd expect that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. And it's raised at six o'clock in the evening, mm-hmm. very slowly, and then it falls at the first stroke of midnight. And it's always preceded by somebody singing Imagine. By John Lennon? John Lennon, yeah. Oh. So loads of famous people have sung Imagine for the oh. Times Square ball drop. Wow. Anyway, so at that point, all the, everything stopped, and then suddenly there's that bong, the ball drops. Mm. Mm. Confetti is released, uh, 1.4 tons. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of confetti. Wow. Uh, and it's thrown by uh, 100 people. They call them dispersal engineers, confetti dispersal engineers. <laughs> There's about 190 people involved in the cleanup because obviously, you know, you want to wow. get Times Square cleaned and ready for, for, for business yeah. the following day. 
Yes. Um, takes about eight hours. Whoa. 190 people. And last year, they reckon they got about 50 tonnes of refuse. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I mean, like, that must include champagne bottles, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And as, well, as well as the 1.4 tonnes of confetti. That's impressive. Isn't that isn't great? It? I mean, it's terrible, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there are a lot of, you know, very flash costumes that are worn. And uh, yes. clothing is uh, something else that you can differentiate the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day party by. Yes. I, I don't know about you. I, my attire of choice on New Year's Day is to go for a walk on Richmond Park uh, dressed in a kilt. Um, okay. <laughs> Wouldn't have expected that. Well, I used to play bagpipes. And I used to play bagpipes. So... <laughs> Sorry. Every episode, I learn something new about you, Bruce. So, yeah, I was, I was mostly using them on, on January the 25th, Burns Night, and, and, and New Year's sure. Eve. Um, and I thought, well, if I'm only playing them twice a year, it's hardly worth the bother of, of, of keep, keeping the practice up. Hmm. So I stopped, but I still maintain the, the kilt, well done. which is now slightly moth-eaten, but, but that's the way they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it occasionally shrinks in the wardrobe over the winter. Oh, that's Which, I don't understand why that works, but <laughs> I, I put it away in the winter and then leave it for the summer, and then during the summer it somehow it gets smaller. I, I don't know. Why Miraculous, that yeah, that's strange, strange, isn't it? Um, yeah. And then get it out and go for a walk. But that's but that's not the only um, New Year's New Year's Eve New Year's Day clothing that 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 is um, of interest around the world, apart from Bruce's kilt. <laughs> I think that would be the most of interest, but um, um, yeah, no, do tell. What, what other items of clothing are, are used around the world? Well, it kind of goes from, you know, in Romania, they dress in fur and they dance in the streets. But but one of the things I discovered, there is lucky underwear. Um, yes, I think it comes okay. from, I think it comes from China. Okay. Um, but they, but they like, assign different things to different colored underwear. And you can actually buy paper uh, underwear in all these different colors and just decide which color you want to wear for New Year's. Oh, so if you're into like love and passion, then you wear red. If you're mm -hmm. into, you know, you want some more money, you wear yellow pants. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, blue, mm -hmm. blue underpants for health. Right. Uh, white, because you can. But although they <laughs> say for peace and harmony. Um, okay. Black, because most of mine are black, uh, for power and focus. Ah. Um, purple for creativity. Hmm. Green for freedom and nature. Pink for platonic love. And orange for uh, professional success. Wow. So you could sort of have a rainbow pair of pants that would bring you all of those things at once. Yes, you could. Or, or some sort of like candy stripe. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, now, I often like to look into the Guinness Book of Records oh, yes, of on course. this show. I've mentioned it a number of times before. Um, the, the the problem with looking at an official record for anything that happens on New Year's is that the very following year, someone is inevitably going to outdo it. Um, at the moment, um, Dubai holds the record for the the highest number of fireworks used in a single display. Okay. And the largest number of drones, because that's a that's a thing now, isn't it? You know, yes, of course. Fireworks yes, displays making have, patterns have, with drones. Exactly, yeah, yeah, patterns and and sort of pictures of moving animals and things, um, or, or writing out messages across the sky. And uh, in Rio, they currently hold the record for the largest number of people to gather for a New Year's celebration. Two million 
people what? gathered on the beaches in Rio um, a couple of years ago for, for New Year's celebrations, and, and they currently hold the record for that. Wow. Yeah. But all the other records, you know, every year someone else is going to try and outdo it. So they don't last very long. I've got, I've got a record for, uh, admittedly, it's only, only 1,914 people. <laughs> but they were all dancing at a Kaylee. Oh, wonderful. And oh, they great. were all strip, they were all doing Strip the Willow, which is, I which, is, is. which I can do, obviously, because of the Scottish yeah. pipe dance thing. Mm. So, yeah, so Stripping the Willow, 14, sorry, 1914 people all doing it simultaneously. That is a lot it's of a people. a lot of people. It? And it's quite a violent thing that involves swinging people around. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and a bit of running about and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it would be quite a thing to watch. I've got no more facts about New Year's. Have you got any more? No, I am all spent. Well, in that case, shall we sing Old Lang No, let's not sing Old Lang <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to inflict that on our dear listeners, do we? Uh, I say that. You've got a lovely singing voice, so it wouldn't you. be an infliction at all. Thank you. So, I guess we need to wish everybody a prosperous and happy and healthy New Year for 2024. Indeed. Thank you all for listening. We hope that... Uh, the next year will bring you just as many interesting facts and wonderful episodes of this show as you can handle. <laughs> yeah, would you realize that we'll probably have about 70 by next year? Well, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, episodes, right. Yeah. Episodes, yeah. Right. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.